Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Delta Flyers. We are a weekly podcast that discusses episodes of Star Trek Voyager in chronological order. Your two hosts along this podcast journey are myself, Garrett Wong, a.k.a. Ensign Harry Kim, and Robert Duncan McNeil, who portrayed Lieutenant Tom Paris. If you are interested in either an extended version of this podcast or the extended video version of this podcast, both of which include added bonus segments, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron. Hey, Robbie. Hey, buddy. How are, How are you? you I'm okay. Yeah. We just, got, we just got done with our little interview with trekmovie.com with Lori. Yes, we did. Yes, we yeah. did. That was a, that was a long, in-depth, <laughs> emotionally draining interview. Do you, think I, do you think I crossed some boundaries there? Did I, did I go too far? You know, I think the, the, here's the here's always the funny thing. I think the fans of of Star Trek and and Voyager, yeah, they want to know like the juicy stuff, right? I mean, yeah. it's natural for people to want to know, but it's That's always true. hard to tell these stories because sometimes when you tell part of the juicy story, it's not giving the whole picture, and that's not fair. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's not fair to to like the people that are involved. So it's it's tricky. Like we want to give the everything we can remember but we got to be careful that we're not just giving part of the story that's going to embarrass somebody or not really give their side of it i guess i don't know yeah because she had done an interview with with kate probably a couple weeks ago and people were quickly sending me messages like oh my gosh you know i think i think kate's really mad at you or or this and that And, and again anytime you do an interview it's it's little snippets yeah. And it's not the whole picture. And when you don't get the whole picture, you can then start to assume. And when you make assumptions, that's when everything you know hits the fan. So yeah. you got to be careful with that. So yeah, um, it's funny sometimes that sort of thing is like gossip, right? Like in yeah. in, in life, any kind yes. of gossip is not really good. So it's tricky for us, like even on this podcast, to tell the story to really give everybody a a fuller picture of what was going on but but to be careful that we're not gossiping or yeah you know or or, or embarrassing somebody i guess yeah it's tricky it's definitely yeah. tricky but sometimes yeah. we're gonna go a little you know, dip our toes in those waters and we're gonna try to be careful and most of all i love and respect all of our cast and crew like i would never want to um embarrass or or disrespect any of them with any of the th- stories that we say even if we may disagree about storylines or how people did things like i still respect their choices yeah, and that's i think it's even trickier for me because i'm i'm very blunt i mean i tell it like it is and i just i say things that i don't really censor beforehand you know and sometimes that gets me into trouble so i need to be a little bit more cognizant of what comes out of my mouth so um uh, all right i'll 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 have your back on this garrett i'll, I'll keep you safe you, you got to be my bodyguard on this one Audio bodyguard. Will you will you be my Kevin Costner to my Whitney Houston? Yes. Is that what you're gonna say? Okay. Yeah. What's that song from that movie? I the, uh, the bodyguard. I don't know. Whitney, Whitney Houston I, sang that song. And I will always love you. Something like that. Is whenever that from that start, movie? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you start. Uh, getting into like territory where I'm like, oh God, here, don't say that. I'm just going to start singing. And I will always love you. Okay. So that'll be our secret. Thank you. That'll be our really subtle secret sign of like Garrett. Uh -uh. 
Yeah. I mean, other people do things like tug on the ear or like, I'm going to brush my nose or yeah. I'm going to say a, a code word like rutabaga. But then you I are going to sing. I whipped out a Whitney Houston song. And I kn I'll know exactly what you mean by that. Ease it back when I hear that. So this week's episode, yes, sir, Cathexis. And Cathexis. Um, what a great name, Cathexis. What does Cathexis wonder, mean? I don't know, but who comes up with these names? Did you ever know. find out who- I have a dictionary app on my phone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up Cathexis while you chat, chat away for a minute. Yeah, I've always wondered, was there someone in the office whose job, whose only job was to name episodes? Because if you think about the sheer number of episodes that we have through seven seasons, that's a lot of names that you got to yeah. come up with, you know? And yeah. cathexis is something, uh, do you find anything? What I did. Cathexis? Okay, cathexis is a noun. Um, it is from psychoanalysis. And uh, the first definition is the investment of emotional significance in an activity, object, or idea. Wow. And the second definition is the charge of psychic energy so invested. Um, wow. It's from okay. the 20s. So it's from early psychology, I guess, kind of early-ish. Thesaurus says synonyms for cathexis are catharsis, narthex, narthexis, catharsis, calixis. Catharsis, though, I know I'm familiar with catharsis, yes, which is to have a breakthrough, catharsis. right? Like an emotional sort of breakthrough. So a cathexis is probably kind of the opposite, like to be stuck or attached to emotionally something. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. okay, so for our um, Patreon patrons, we're about to play a little game that we call What Do We Remember? For everybody else listening to our podcast, Robbie and I will be watching, re-watching the episode, and we'll be right back at, with our discussion of cathexis. Yes, we will. It'll be a catharsis. <laughs> Wow, we are back. <laughs> that was a very wow. fast-paced episode. There's a lot of stuff going on in that episode in Cathexis, right? And yeah, I, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite episode. I'll just go on the record oh, right away and say, okay, for a All number right. of reasons. That's fine. Um, uh, we're going to go ahead and do our quick synopsis. I'm going to let you do it, but I'm going to set you up with the very, very beginning part of it, so, and then you can just follow in after Okay, that. go. Uh, Tuvok and Chakotay complete a trade mission in a shuttle, and they are on their way to the rendezvous point with Voyager when they encounter a dark matter nebula. Go. Yes, they do. And some kind of energy force freaking blows through their shuttle. They get beamed back to the sick bay. But when they get beamed back, Janeway's playing around in some romance novel, Harlequin romance novel in the holodeck. She's playing around with all these British people in a fancy mansion. And they're like, hey, Captain, you got to come to sickbay because these guys are knocked out. Chakotay's brain dead. Nothing gone. Brain dead. Tuvok I can save, says the doc. So they bring them back. Anyway, long story short. It's very mysterious what happened to their brains. And all of a sudden, people start acting weird. Slowly, people start doing very suspicious things. And Janeway thinks, hmm, maybe there's like an invisible alien flying around taking over people's brains. She's right. There is. So as they start to figure this out, all of a sudden, Tuvok becomes suspicious. And then Janeway takes it even a step further. She's like, wait, there's two invisible aliens on this ship, good guy and bad guy, and they're kind of fighting each other and they're messing, they're confusing us. 
Tuvok ends up looking like a bad guy on the bridge, like he's going to win. And then we pull a little fast one and we knock him out. And the, the bad alien runs away. And we realize that uh, the good alien was Chakotay in his spirit. Yeah. We thought he was brain dead, but no. no. He became an invisible alien and was floating around fighting off the bad invisible alien. And somehow the doctor puts his brain back together. And we never go back to the hollow novel in the Harlequin romance department. So <laughs> that's my synopsis. I got a lot of questions, yeah. opinions, uh, definitely and confusion about okay. this one. But let us start with the very beginning. Uh, teleplay by Brandon Braga, story yes. by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. And I just want to make this point right now. At this point, Joe Minoski is not it at the actual writer offices on Paramount Studios. Oh yeah, that's right. Not there. Guess he's where in, he's at? Spain. He oh, is in Spain. That's right. I point. thought it was Italy, but he was in Spain. He was far yeah, away. Is, it was amazing. Like he was on the writing staff, but he was in Europe. He was living there. So he would get his, he would type his revisions and whatever, and just send them by email. And um, mm -hmm. he pretty much uh, just lived in Spain. Uh, I think Joe also had an issue with flying, like literally he could not Nervous get on a plane. Yeah, yeah, so he would, he would take a, he took a boat to get to Europe and then he, he lived there for a while. So I thought that was really interesting wow. that Mr. Banowski was in Spain this entire time. Um, this episode is directed by Kim Friedman. This would be her second episode, season one, I'm guessing yeah. that she did, right? Yeah. Um, we spoke a little bit on our, what we remembered about her and how, how she and uh, Kate were, were kind of bonded female empowerment. They were like the original Thelma and Louise, I guess. So um. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They drove a spaceship uh, over a cliff yes. instead of a car at the end. They drive a spaceship. They shuttle. drive a shuttle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they drive a shuttle. Perfect. Um, now, yes. Yeah, so we're in the Hollow novel in the very beginning, and it was it was me that that the Kim that notifies Jane Wade of what's. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Can we talk yeah, about this hollow novel for a minute? Let's talk about this hollow novel. I just want to, my first, my only reaction about this hollow novel is, is that um, even though she's playing this, this is in her free time, yeah. she's still quintessential Janeway, how she tells off that other lady, you know, the governess. A like, little you know, bit, although she fell into this British accent. And I, I found that for me a bit of a problem because I'm like, wait, is Catherine Janeway uh, an aspiring classical actress? Like it just, you know, it's like when I see movies or TV shows where someone who's supposed to be a civilian type person all of a sudden has the skills of a, 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 a trained actor or a musician or something. Like they should just be the character they are. And Janeway yeah. is, a, is a, you know, a Starfleet captain. Mm. I found it confusing. Like, wait, am I watching Kate Mulgrew, the actress doing this? Yeah. A novel story yeah. or am I watching Janeway because right. so I, I felt a little differently I wasn't I wasn't clear on am I still watching Janeway it, it felt confusing to me well I'm a little annoyed because when we did the Irish um, town episodes that which mm -hmm. are coming up later uh, Fair Fairhaven and um, Spirit Folk mm -hmm. I requested I asked to do an Irish accent. I said, I want to do it. Cause you know, I'm, in, I'm mm -hmm. big into impersonations and accents. I said, this is my chance to do an Irish accent. I'm going to do a Northern Irish accent. And I remember I got vetoed on that. I, they were like, no, absolutely not. I agree by the and way. I, I, okay. I, I get why you want to do it. 
but I get why they would say no because I right. agree. Harry Kim would not like an. That's Garrett you know I mean? Wong and not Harry Kim. Yeah, right that's Garrett Wong Kim. wanting to do an Irish I'm, accent. That's not right. Harry Kim. But if you're anyway. going to set those rules down for me, it should be the same for Kate Mulgrew as well. She shouldn't yeah. be allowed to do a, a, a somewhat, you know, uh, serviceable British accent. Yeah, it was a kind British of hybrid, accent, hybrid British right? accent, yeah. Yeah. And another thing that bothers me, uh, this is not Voyager, but just in general Hollywood, anytime we see a TV movie, feature film, television show set somewhere in Europe, everyone speaks with a freaking British accent. You never notice that? Like, you know, yeah. that movie, I'm just, for instance, Ever After with Drew Barrymore was set in France, but yet she was speaking with a British accent. And everyone, right. that's just the go-to accent that Hollywood has decided we are going to, and I don't know if that's a result of the fact that we are in a, a colony, a, a former British colony, that we have this this preoccupation with or, or obsession with the Brits or, and British yeah. accents, you know, what is that? Why, why does Hollywood do that? Have you yeah. noticed that as well? And yeah. does that bother you at all? Um, for this hollow novel, I'm not sure what the hollow novel was exactly. Um, although yeah. I, Michael Comstey, who played the male, I don't recall the character, but the, the man of the house, the basically. man of the house, Michael Comstey is a brilliant, uh, theater, a classical theater actor. I've saw okay. him in, on on stage many times uh, oh. before Star Trek and and since. He's okay. very very talented, and I remember talking with Michael about yeah. some mutual friends we knew from theater days and things. You know, um, Michael's talent is is strong. Um, Kate's talent is strong. Uh, mm -hmm. The other female, the 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 other lady in the house, was very good. Yes. My problem is with why did they have this weird Harlequin romance novel opening that had nothing to do with the story or with character? Like there was absolutely nothing that I could find where you would go, oh, that's why. And by the way, it went on a long time. Like it was long. It was very long. We could ask yeah. Brandon this, you know, when we get Brandon Braga in as a guest or maybe Joe Minoski, we could say like, hey, what the heck? You know, it was way too long. It was beautifully done. Like the set, by the way, I made a note, like the old school scenic work on that set, that was on built on stage. That was built by the Paramount uh, Construction Department and the Props Department. It was a beautiful set. And the, and the uh, onset effects of rain and lightning and wind, yeah. the iron windows, the, yeah. the, every detail was beautiful. So I think the execution was great. I don't know why they did it. Like there it's was nothing bizarre. about, there was nothing about Voyager, even, even metaphor wise, I couldn't make sense of like, what is, is this supposed to be a metaphor for the ship or? Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by the, by the opening because it just seemed yeah. disconnected from anything else. And you could have had a two lines and Harry calls, Hey captain, you got to come out. Like that yeah. could have, that could have communicated almost as much important information as a seven minute long scene that went yeah. on forever. And this is also the episode where my friend, Brian Markinson gets introduced. Who's going to, yeah, yeah, I noticed who, that they we'll showed, talk. they introduced Durst now. It's just yeah. so that we, we start to sort of feel for him and, and, yeah. and, and, and root for him, yeah. you know, or, or cheer for him. You know, so he doesn't him. just pop up in the next episode. I'm excited yeah. to, to have him join us for that. And, uh, yeah. I got to be uh, careful. We have to be careful about saying rooting for people because as Americans, when we say <laughs> rooting for people, that's cheering for somebody. But in, yeah. in England, Australia, that means a whole nother oh, does it? ball of wax. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's doing the nasty, basically. Oh. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to root for Brian Markinson that way. <laughs> I'm just going to cheer for him. Okay. Did you um, notice in, in Sick Bay how on top of it Kess was? Like the doctor asks for a cardio stimulator and Kess is already handing it to him. Like she already wow. knew. She's good. This is what's, yeah, she's already, you know, she's one step ahead of the doctor. And I just, wow. I'm just so impressed with Kess. I really am. I, yeah. I didn't, and this is something that I did not notice while filming, right? Until yeah. I watched this. I'm like, hey, all right. She's um, good. Hmm. And the doctor says that Chakotay's brain dead to, to Janeway. All I could think of was classic, you know, Dr. McCoy from the original series when he, when he said, he's, he's dead, Jim. But yeah. in this case, he's brain dead, Jim, is what yeah. I yeah. <laughs> was thinking of McCoy saying. So that, you know, made me think of the original series. Yeah. Um, I was about to say that uh, as they talk about this nebula that killed, nearly killed both of her crew members and seems to have, you know, killed Chakotay at this point, mm -hmm. Janeway makes another questionable decision to go back to the nebula that almost killed the two of them. Mm. Because she says, oh, well, we can't, the doctor suggests maybe we need to analyze, if I could analyze the source, the, then the, maybe the I could- The weapon, yeah. Yes, or the whatever, weapon, yeah. then maybe I could, I could figure out how to cure it. So mm -hmm. without exploring any other options of how you might get that information for the doctor, she's like, let's go back to the scene of the crime. Let's go back and expose my entire crew to, to the jeopardy of this thing that killed already two, two of them. Yeah. I feel like I'm noticing a lot of questionable decisions by Janeway. Does Janeway have a death wish? Does she have a know. death wish? Does she sit there and think, you know what? There's danger. Let's not go away from danger. Let's head towards danger every chance we get. You're right. It, she I, puts everybody at risk. I mean, it, it does end up complicating things. And I've, I've noticed this the last couple episodes, like mm -hmm. early on, if she did not make the decision she made, yeah. we would not have been in the position for the for the jeopardy that we, you know, the the danger. Yeah. And this is one where I'm like, seriously? Like, can't we try <laughs> to solve these guys without exposing the entire crew? So I don't know. It's and it's funny because she's got this reputation for like, oh, yeah, Janeway, the way Kate played Janeway was so she took care of her crew and loved them so much. I'm like, Dude, she's just gonna take the whole ship back to this danger place. Like she <laughs> that's not smart. No. If she really loved this crew, she'd solve the problem another way. While hightailing it away from the danger, we would solve the problem. Yes. Right? yes. <laughs> yeah. Um at this point I would like to bring up Tuvok, Tim Russ specifically, his, Tuvok, his pronunciation of the word S-E-N-S-O-R. He sensor. always says, he says sensor, right? Like yeah. a sore. Like I noticed just got that too. Yeah. And I said, uh, the entire seven years, Harry Kim always says sensors, sensors. And even Janeway says sensors. I think Tom Paris says sensors. Only Tuvok is the one that says sensors. He says sensors. Maybe that's just the Vulcan way. I think maybe it's when the he Vulcan was learning. Way. Yeah, maybe he was. Yeah, that's just the way he learned sensors in the Vulcan Academy or whatever he went yeah. to. Uh, Vulcan prep school, you know, wherever he went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, do you, on the show, did you say, I'm going to analyze the data, or did you say data? Because that's another word that sort of... I don't know. Pronounced tomato, some data. say tomato. I, I think say, I said data. Yeah, I say data. I say I this I is the data. Too. 
And then I remember someone telling me on set, well, that's the character from TNG. So that's why it should be data. I'm like, no, I'm going to say oh, data. That's funny. I, I, I don't, that, that's the, we're not on TNG, you know? So I, and I'm, I'm just shocked that there's these two schools. It's really tomato, tomato, right? I yeah, it's the same thing for data, data or data. data. Sensor, sensor. I just find it interesting. The two sensor. sensors, sensors are, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him that when we have him as a guest. Okay. I really want to know. In Kessa's quarters, what who does who decorated that place? By the way, I, I made a note to myself. Why is Kessa's quarters twice as big as mine? It's huge. It's she has ginormous. Like, she, she got the suite, and yeah. it's it's almost like Janeway was like, mm, you know what? As an accompanist, she suffered so much. We're gonna go ahead and give her the suite. I mean, and it's massive. It's massive. It's the same bed. Do you notice that? It's that same bed that I have. I don't know if yeah. your bed is like that too with the exactly neon the tubes, yep. whatever. But then she's got the foyer and the sitting it's area. She's got a dining table. Twice yeah. as big. Twice as big. She has that bronze, you know, bust of, I don't know if that's a t Tibetan monk or Buddha or whoever. Alien it's alien Buddha. It's alien Buddha. It's an yeah, Alcompan Buddha. But but it didn't have Okompen ears. That's what was so weird. It was yeah. Like, it's a, well, it had Buddha ears and Okompen scale. I love that that you're the first person to get accused of like messing with the controls. Uh, yeah, and you are so defensive. You're just like I didn't do it. I mean, you were so angry. <laughs> you wanted to. You, and then Janeway, she almost laughs at you in response. She's like, She's like no, now, now, it's yes. not a mutiny. I'm not but implying it'll, an immutiny. Come on, Tommy. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I freed you from prison, remember? So, yeah. Well, it's funny because, I, I mean, on one hand, I get why, maybe, why they gave my character, gave Tom Paris that first suspicious beat. Yeah. Because... He's the guy that was the bat, supposedly the bat, you know, had the bad past and things like that. Yeah. But as I saw it, I was like, God, again, they keep going to the same, the same note. They keep playing yeah. the same song with him because mm -hmm. ex post facto, he was the bat, you know, has mm -hmm. the baggage of doing bad things. You know, oh, he's a womanizer. Oh, he does bad things. Oh, it's, it's just the same thing over and over. And I, f I found it like, why couldn't I be someone who was the hero accusing someone else of doing bad things. You yeah. know? And I know there were twists and turns, but it's just, I wish they could have protected that character a little better. You know what? It's actually, that actually valid, validates your, your reaction being as big as it was, because you have been dealing with the prior episodes of being yeah. the guy that's the bad guy. And I, I think in this episode- It's like, come on, enough. <laughs> it's enough already. I'm yeah. not the bad egg. I'm the good yes. guy. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I saved, Mr. Kim from the freaking Lobi crystals and cork in the bar. Yeah. Okay, I'm a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. So yeah, so, so that makes sense. I like that. Uh, Torres gets accused later of shutting down that warp core. Tuvok, did you notice mm -hmm. how, how forcefully Tuvok grabbed Torres? I was expecting Bolana to like, just to just, mm -hmm. you know, flail or knock him back. And, and mm -hmm. but Tuvok just manhandled her like she was, you know, the, like he was the kindergarten teacher and she was like a little child. It was like, mm -hmm. ooh, grabbed her and pulled her away. By the way, uh, I think early on in the episode, Janeway says something to me and I say, I captain. And then later on, Janeway says something and I say, yes, ma'am. And Rebecca turns to me. Rebecca goes, she's, Rebecca said, how do you know? when to say what like how do you choose a yes ma'am or a i captain do you like do you feel it somewhere and you're like is it oh i get my ears tingle and i know it's a yes ma'am or she's like, 
<laughs> you flip a coin. You're like flip a coin. Eh, heads. <laughs> yes, Hi, <ma> Captain. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I don't know. That was very so funny. True. It is very funny. Um, I uh, that walk and talk scene that I have with uh, Brian. I honestly do not recall that at all. Oh yeah. I don't remember Brian on that set at all. I feel bad. I should right. have remembered that. But um, Durst and I, we just I. This is one of the things that you know, typically I have a very good memory, but that I have no recollection of shooting that scene whatsoever. That could have been- I vaguely remember Brian being in this episode, to be honest. I know that okay. they just did it to establish him. Um, by the way, I, in, in the sick bay, when mm. Balana sort of Balana takes the stone and kind of puts oh, it yeah. up like this and, and like yeah. turns and puts it behind. Yeah, the medicine wheel. Mm -hmm. First of all, I was like, Again, and maybe I'm just overly sensitive about this Native American stuff. I don't know why yeah. I'm overly sensitive yeah. about it, but I thought, God, not only have they minimized it with Chicote's character, but now they've got uh, Balana doing a sacred Native ceremony mm -hmm. that she is not a Native. And then she even says to the doctor later, like, yeah, well, he showed this to me once. So, like, how can you become, you know, it's like saying, Oh, well, I saw a priest once perform a wedding, so now I'm going to marry people. Like, how, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do you learn it? It's minimizing the sacred nature of, the, of whatever the thing is. And I also found, like, the whole prop, it looked like a bad souvenir from a theme park or something. <laughs> like, like it, the rocks are magnet, and they're click. You can hear them clicking up on the wall. I'm like, that is not a native... Mm. authentic sacred thing like yeah i don't know it just it felt like a like a kid's toy from a theme park i i'm gonna agree with you on that um i also noticed if you look at the detailing of not the rocks but the actual pictographs on yeah there, the wheel drawings yeah um, they were like mayan or incan like designed and i was like wow they're just going everywhere with this all one. You know what i'm saying yeah and just like i because i don't recall medicine wheel being part of mayan culture but maybe it was maybe it wasn't but it just to me it just someone just said okay um let's go with you know not 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 uh, not apache or navajo let's let's go with mayan symbolism now <laughs> you know it was like they remember when you were working at chuck for lunch you guys had a wheel and you would spin it and then oh, and whatever restaurant whatever restaurant it would land on that's what you guys ordered for lunch yes that's what they might have done in the voyager office when it came to like okay for this episode but you go yes. yeah, and it's not a yeah it's aztec wins and this time maori from new zealand and yes. Every Aboriginal, Indigenous people, cultural thing, they seem to yeah. just co-opt and mash it all up. They just it mashed it all up. They mashed the whole thing together. Did you notice I just made the sound of the Wheel of Fortune wheel? Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's what the doo doo was. So, oh, okay. Right. I'm going to throw that in there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Janeway's hair yes. in the briefing room from certain angles what is going on in this episode? It looks like a, a mushroom. It's a yeah. mushroom. It, it looks like very a mushroom. Weird. It was so weird. It was a and weird, uh, yeah. 
It's so crazy how many times Janeway's hair changes throughout this season alone. I thought that it's uniformly, I, you know, I seem to recall the entire first season was one way, but no, the first season alone, and we're, we're, we're only in, you know, we're not even done with season one. It's changed four times or five. Every week, almost every week, there's a new hair. Every week. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, By the way, did you notice how triggered Neelix got in sickbay when, uh, the doctor said something about uh, a spirit, and he's like, "There was who was in there? There was someone in there in her in Kess's room." That was in not in Sigbay. That was while he was cooking in the mess hall, and Kess came up to tell him what she had heard. Oh, know, that's what it was. Another thing. Oh yeah, yeah. she said and I had like, a spirit. Yeah, he got all paranoid and jealous. He's like, "Who? Who was in your room?" You know, he was yeah. like flipping yeah, 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 out, yeah. right? And then later. Later, Neelix is now talking to um, Chakotay. Uh, sorry, Neelix is now talking to the doctor. The doctor. And, and the line is, yeah, the line is, Neelix says, um, Ensign Parsons ordered his pajuta cold. And the doc goes, so? And then Neelix says, he always drinks it hot, hot with lemon, like that. He, and and the, the outburst <laughs> made me think of, does Neelix have Tourette's? It's almost like he, he, he has these explosions of, of dialogue that just come out just to, and it's like somebody's with Tourette's syndrome. And it's like really <laughs> crazy. I mean, right. he's like, I don't know. I mean, it's it, to me. Well, then the doctor says in that scene, like, calm down. Calm. He, he literally said like, you've got to calm down. Yeah. She's going to be fine. And then, and then I loved at the end when Neelix hugged him, like Bob's yeah, that face, was... Bob's face. <laughs> yeah. when it was like just such a, was was it a like non produced sort of like yes. oh, great yeah yeah did he roll his eyes did he roll maybe his eyes? a little bit it was funny whatever it was it was so okay. subtle it really it made me laugh out loud when Neelix hugged him and by the way I noticed at this point a lot of scenes where uh, there wasn't coverage you know often in a scene there'll be um, individual shots of all of each of the characters there'll be singles you know a close-up mm. of, of Harry and a close-up of the captain. And, I, and Not I've in noticed this episode. In this episode, there's a lot of scenes where there's like two shots and there's people just, you know, facing each other and talking. And yeah, it's it's interesting yeah. this first season to see all the different directing styles. And yeah, this yeah. is definitely um, more kind of sit back and just look at the at the action play out. Remember that four shot? That four shot on the bridge? It was it was it was you, me, Durst, and Janeway, and oh, we yeah. were all crammed into that one. Yeah, we were all <laughs> we're all like, hi. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely not you know coronavirus uh, approved. No, <laughs> pandemic COVID nineteen approved distancing. We were so close to each other; it was nuts. Yeah. And also during that scene. Like she's Janeway's whispering to us the entire time, and then all of a sudden she gets really loud. Computer, who authorized the ejection of the warp core? <laughs> and then, then the computer's like, um, "That would be Commander." What did she say? Chakotay. Chakotay, exactly. And so I just kept thinking, um, "Why are you now announcing that Tuvok is now totally <laughs> possessed by the alien? He doesn't hear any of the other dialogue. We're all whispering. Paris is whispering. Kim is whispering. Durst is whispering. Janeway is whispering. And then all of a sudden she goes, hmm. "Computer," and she's loud as hell you know, it's like, okay just telegraph everything to, to Tuvok right and uh, did you find that that Tuvok his reaction time was horrible when Janeway goes underneath that cons that, that railing to hit that button on her pop right. console it's like Tuvok's already holding the phaser at us he yeah all he's gonna do is hit a button beep. yeah just beep 
And, and he said like, it's on wide dispersal. Yeah, like, wide dispersal. It, so he doesn't have to aim. All he has no. to do is hit the button. And Janeway takes forever to navigate awkwardly to get underneath that console. You know, I just thought, what the heck? And I know that he said he set it on on kill, whatever, right? Yeah. But then if you think about it, those aliens, the Komar, I think was their names. The those Komar. aliens, yeah, they needed us to, to, to live, to survive. They were going to basically yeah, vampire sure. suck our energy out. So he wasn't really going to kill us. Maybe, you know, if I was writing that episode, I wouldn't have said that these are set, set to kill. Right. Maybe I would have actually had one crew member rush him. Tuvok then stuns him with the phaser, that first crew member, which gives Janeway time to go underneath to yeah. undo the, uh, you know, to push the button for the magneton scan. Yeah. Was out. Eh, but so that was a little awkward how that worked. I, mm -hmm. I, I just think it took way too long for her, her to get underneath there. Do you remember when, uh, so they thought I was a bad guy, so they took uh, control of the con and they moved it to your station. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They moved it to your station. So I couldn't control the ship. It turned around on its own or whatever. And then it yeah. goes to your place and you're like, and we turned around again and she's like, Mr. Kim, what's what's going on? You're like, I didn't do that. So yeah. obviously you can't control the ship any better than me. No, I couldn't. <laughs> so I just want to make that point. Both of us lost control of the ship, even though we had all the power to do it. Uh, uh, I, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. That was important. That was important. Well, later you. on, by the way, once Tuvok's down and we're like, you know, working, everybody's back to work. Yeah. You and I are back at your station. Did you notice you, that? You were never at my Boom. station. Never. That is I was the only. Did you notice I even looked at you? I'm like, hmm? there's yeah. Paris. Like, what are you doing here? And yeah. you got, you got, you know, no social distancing once again. You were just. No, right I was all up like, in your business. Punching you were all buttons. up in. You were up in my junk. And I was like, what is he doing? Why is he there? But that is probably one of the very few times in seven years that Tom Paris stood at the operations station yeah. with. With Harry, right? I totally mm -hmm. noticed that. I was like, wow, that's... No, uh, I don't even remember that shooting that that scene, but that was crazy. Yeah. Let's go back to the sick bay when we're there examining you, right? The first time, because you're the first Did one. Did you like my look when he's, he's yeah, like... you're looking... <laughs> what do you, and then what do you... <laughs> you then you start reaching your hand back. Are you about to scratch yourself? Or what, what was going on well, there? I, I realized that he's got a line where he's like, Mr. Paris, would you please hold yeah, you, still? Stop so moving. I had to yes. be moving. So Correct. You know, I could have sat there and just been like boring, but no. I was adorable. Come on. You, it was it was very cute. So I'm wondering, was that a Kim Friedman direction or was that you being just you? I'm going to just, I can't help it. Okay, okay Garrett? That's fine. I, You're it's just... adorable and I can't help it. I just, you know. I you know, as a straight man, like... even I thought that was adorable. As a straight <laughs> man, I was like, that's adorable. That is. But I, I, I actually was looking at it kind of proud, like, oh, well, he's just scanning my head. Like I could have yeah. just. Yeah. done nothing but i was like i turned it into just a light little like you know light comedy sort of what are you doing doc you were towing You're the comedy line. Hair. yeah i was, was kind of pulling one of those it was and it was there was an innocence about it like you were uh, you, know, you yes. were a kid you were like a little kid on the at being and and, it, and you then reminisced about as a kid with oh, your doctor yes. right and then the doctor has that crazy line dr where he brown talks dr well brown, that's a throwback exactly. to uh to, back to uh, the future back to doc the future brown? Yeah, yeah, Doc Brown. Because okay. it literally, I thought, nice work, writers. I was like, yep. oh, Doc Brown. Doc Brown. But when you started reaching back to scratch your head, that reminded me of the episode where we had the things um, stuck in the back of our 
Remember when we were on um, oh, uh, the yeah. alien prison ship, right? Yeah. And so we had those little things in the back of our head and we kept scratching them. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of that scene. Remember they analyzed, they had the analysis of my of Tom's brain. Yes. Of uh, Balama's brain. Mm. And I just want to say that the analysis of my brain was really beautiful. Like... <laughs> What? Like, there was so much amazing intelligence you could literally see on the brain analysis of, of my brain, which I thought was cool. <laughs> was that would have been funny if the doctor said that. Hmm, there is so much intelligence going on here, Mr. Paris. I can't even understand it. I mean, you could be the chess champion of the world. Funny. The thing I always I... loved about Star Trek, though, when you look at those little cutaways to like the brain analysis or whatever, they yeah. always made them so clear like what the story was you know the little mm. the little graph where they said well here's here's a unusual pattern in tom paris's and then here's an unusual pattern in balana's yeah and look they look identical like it was easy easy to follow the story yeah they did a good job with the graphics with the graphics really, department yeah. yeah is that dan's department did dan do that or was that uh no it was, was denise that, uh, and mike denise mike. and mike okuda yeah, yeah sorry they were doing that one so they did they always do a good job though those guys have been around forever so they're amazing uh, yeah they're really 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 good at what they do well they did the in that scene in the sick i think it was in the sick bay the doctor had a line that i have to say hmm. is very difficult to pull off with a straight face his line was well, one possible explanation, and the only one that I can think of at the moment, is that an alien entity momentarily took control of their minds. <laughs> yes, I remember that line. <laughs> I just was like, wow, Bob. Like, momentarily, an alien entity. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a tongue twister, for sure. An alien entity momentarily took control to of their mind. their mind. It's just a hard line to pull off with a straight face, and I thought he did a very good job. So. He, he did. He handled that well. Yeah. Um, and in that scene, by the way, the captain's talking to him and then she kind of walks around in front of Tom Paris. And did I look at her butt? <laughs> I sort of like, like she walked in front of me and my eyes go like that, like, you know, the little elevator eyes like down. And, and then I actually rewinded it. I was like, did I just check her out? You know, I realized. Boy. You know how they put our marks on the floor, like tape? They put. Oh, is that what it was? You, I you think were... I just looked down and glanced down to see, like, did she hit her mark? <laughs> okay. So, so when we're staging scenes and filming, they put little uh, kind of tape, different colored tape on the floor, like an X, in an, like X, an X or a T mm-hmm. or something, so yeah. that so that as you walk around, you know where to stand, so that the camera and all of the elements, the lighting, the camera, yeah. the lens. Uh, That's right gets the shot that, that they're planning to get. If you miss right. the mark, if you don't hit that mark, yeah. then the lighting won't be right, the framing won't be right, things like that. Yeah. So we can't, and you guys never see that because it's below the frame. That's right. And we That's can't a- look at it as an actor. You can't walk up to the mark and look down like this yeah. and then and then look up, it looks ridiculous. It is. So sometimes when we were having problems with with gauging where that mark was, they would put down like a little sandbag right there so that mm-hmm. our feet would hit up against it. So you, you would know it, that's where the mark is, right? Yeah. But I remember very early on when we were shooting the pilot, we got to choose what color mark that we had, I think. Um, did you recall doing that at all? I can't um, remember. Because I feel like, they, I, feel like I, I had blue. Did I have blue? What no, I have? no, no I, I had 
I had a I had a light blue. They originally gave like yellow, and I was like, and I said, "Don't give me yellow." You know, don't like being, you know, just yellow. No, I'm not going to go with yellow. I'm already okay. I'm already wearing the yellow freaking costume. You know, I, right. I'm going to go with you know, give me another color. So I'll take. I asked for like powder blue because I went to UCLA, which is blue and gold. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be good for me. But um, I thought you had a red mark. I'm not. That's not maybe. Correct. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm I'm shocked I don't remember the color I had there, but I don't remember. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, everybody. Yeah, so the characters, each of the characters usually have a different color, and the camera assistants usually carry a dozen different colors of tape, um, you know, yeah. on, on to, to lay down marks. I'm glad to know you didn't check out um, Janeway's butt. No, I think I was just checking the mark out. But when I first saw it happen, I was like, did I just look at her butt? I, mean, I got to go back and look at that. Um <laughs> By the way, I think my butt also looked good in this episode too. When I walk out of sick bay, I I, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm in shape. It's good. Yeah. Nice, good, good. I'm glad you're happy with that. Thank you, thank you. Um, the captain gives decides to give the doctor because he's not a humanoid, and the aliens can't go into his brain. She decides to give the doctor all of the um, ship's codes, command codes, right. and I was like boy, she was ready to kill him a few episodes ago. She was ready to like, well, let's just delete his program. And now she's given him command of the ship. I was like, wow, he really, he really turned around fast. And I just, I just love the reaction of the doctor. Uh, does that mean I'm captain? And she's like, no, you're not the captain. You're just, get, you get the codes in case I get debilitated. That's yeah. it. So that was true. He did. He did make a huge turnaround. He really did, boy. Also, that Tuvok offers up another Vulcan mind meld with Cass, and I'm like, dude, that's two Vulcan mind melds already, and we're only like halfway through season one. Neelix should have been jealous of that too. He should have yeah. been like, why are you getting mind melded with that head. that Vulcan guy? Yeah. <laughs> And then he screams and has his Tourette's, you know, thing again. So, um, why is the briefing room so dark in this episode? So we go in the briefing room because we're now all puzzled and we're trying to figure this out. And everyone's kind of, weren't we losing power? Didn't we have some type of like power interruption? Like something happened that uh, I don't no? think so. Not for this moment. I don't I, think so. Yeah, that was a little. I didn't even think about. Yeah. Hmm. Was okay. it just dramatic to make things feel dark and scary and paranormal? Maybe. The music was definitely kind of like horror movie-ish kind of music. Yeah. I, I noticed it just, that. It stuck out to me because the rest of the episode seemed like normal, relatively normal lighting. And yeah. then we go in the briefing room and everybody's in the dark. It was like, it was very, very dark. Mm -hmm. And I've, I don't... I don't normally remember seeing that briefing room yep. anywhere anywhere close to that. After we disable Tuvok and he's on the ground and that alien energy presence leaves his body, mm -hmm. how the hell did it escape? Because our shields were already up at that point. You know what I'm saying? So because because I make a comment, well, he just joined, rejoined his friends and then they were trying to get back in at us and I just don't. How did he get out of the shield? A, but not how did he get in? out? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Does it is it the shield only work one way? <laughs> I mean, I to stop coming in, and then anybody who wants to go out can just go out easily. Maybe that's what it is. That's probably what the technology is. I'm guessing. Um, I, I mean, sure. It was just okay. A random, random question. 
Um, the device on Chakotay's chest with the red and blue lights. Every time I saw that, I just kept thinking of Optimus Prime from Transformers. I just, I just, I just couldn't get away from that. I, uh-huh. I was waiting, waiting for that thing to transform into Optimus Prime um, when Chakotay was uh, lying on that bio bed. By the way, Chakotay, my God, what a great episode for him to just no relax. kidding. Yeah, he just got to lie there yeah. and be catatonic for the entire episode, except for the mm-hmm. last scene. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Balana asks the doctor, how did you manage to reintegrate his consciousness? The doctor says, it involved three neurotransceivers, two cortical stimulators, and 50 quads of computer memory. I would be happy to take you through the process, but it would take at least 10 hours to explain it all to you. Now, if you notice, I don't know if you caught this, but when he said gigaquads, he actually stumbled a little bit over that. Like he oh. was a little unsure of that. Because if you think about the, what year this is, we don't even have any a gigabyte of memory at this point. You know what I'm oh, saying? Like yeah. the, so this, so the word giga is new to anybody saying it That's in 94 true. whenever we shot this. Yeah. And now if you talk about a gig of memory, it's just so commonplace, you know, like a yeah. gigabyte, terabyte. It was a very know? exotic so, word back then. It's an exotic yeah. word. So yeah. so even Papacardo, the, the king of you know, technobabble uh-huh. and, and medical language, had a little bit of issue pronouncing something that was very unfamiliar with him mm-hmm. and all of us at that time you know when when Bolana says how did you get his memory back yeah i felt like that was a big cheat honestly like just yeah. because the doctor says well it was a lot of technology and a lot more technology and it'll be really hard to explain and we're supposed yeah. to just go oh okay but yeah. you said he was brain dead before like right right it just felt like a cheat to me like it was whole, it was a huge cheat you're right the whole episode was built on Chakotay is in a coma and, and there is yeah. no neural activity and he's right. dead. And, yeah. and I'm a doctor who can't do anything. Right. So then how did he and all of a sudden use, you know, a, a three neurotransceivers and a cortical, a cortical stimulator to boom, all of a sudden put his, his neural, you know, energy back in. I it mean, just it felt just felt like a cheat to me. I, I right. wish if they had said something, if the doctor had said, well, I could only have done it if once, you know, once we were back here in this nebula, and I was able to analyze things. I realized, like he, sh- there should have been a little more explanation, like just, mm-hmm. just to go. Oh well, I did this and this. Well, why didn't you do that way back there, yep. so we didn't have to come near this nub? Like it, I don't know. It was. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It was yeah. just such a such a compact and and e- quick answer. It was to, an easy to, out. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was an easy out because if you think about that, to actually reintegrate somebody's consciousness, good lord, you'd have to have a shaman or you know you you'd have to have all kinds of craziness thing going mm-hmm. on to have this thing really work. And for the doctor to come up with that so quickly, it was just like, yep, yep, I did yeah. like that. Um, I'm amazing. Ta-da! So. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a cheat. I agree with you on that. And I kept waiting for the uh, the hollow novel to come back. Like I was it thinking near the end, like, oh, well, they'll come back to the hollow novel. And that's that's why now we'll learn why that was there in the first place. Like mm-hmm. it'll all, yep. And it didn't. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the end. Do you think they filmed something and that ended up on the uh, cutting room floor that we never even saw? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think if it if they had filmed something that really integrated that hollow novel story wise into this story, then I yeah. think they would have kept it. They wouldn't have just thrown it out. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why that Hall novel's there. I don't, yeah. I don't know. This was not my favorite episode. I found right. it, I found the whole zombie like, like every time somebody got taken with a spirit, they, they'd pop up and turn like a zombie and it was just <laughs> weird. And... Yeah, I, um, 
it was a really interesting choice, acting choice or blocking choice on the part of Kate at the very end when she puts both hands on Chakotay yeah. while he's on the bio bed. And I thought, wow, this is like sort of the beginnings of some yeah. type of Chakotay Janeway romance or something. Because right before she says, you know, Chakotay has come back to consciousness and, and right before she says, good job, Commander. And welcome back is what she says. She yeah. leans in, and I Close. honestly thought, is she about to kiss him? I mean, yeah. it, it looked like the, it was about to happen. It was about to go down right there in sickbay. Wow. Um, and I it just thought it was a very interesting choice of her to have both hands touching his shirtless body, you know, while yeah. he's lying on the bio bed. And I, that that was a little odd to me. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up was that you know how with Star Trek we have a full symphony orchestra that, that does our, yeah. our music, okay? And there have been so many times I've been in a convention and people will tell me, you know, Voyager has helped me with my insomnia. Like I will put on Voyager in the background to help me fall asleep. And, you know, at first I was taking offense to that thinking, wow, so are we that boring that we indulge <laughs> that we actually put you to sleep? Right. But now it really makes sense because I recall there was a 7-Eleven in Los Angeles that always played classical music on loudspeakers right in front. And I went in and I asked the guys, the, the, you know, the clerk, I said, why do you guys, and the music's not even in the store, it's right in front at the door. Right, right. But why is it there? He's like, well, we have a lot of vagrants here. We've been, you know, we've had a lot of crime, a lot of violence. And the owner decided that in order to calm down the craziness is we, we, we put classical music on. And I thought, wow. oh my God, you know, classical music, is used to sort of uh, defuse mm -hmm. the violence or, or to calm, to relax people. And we have this full orchestra going on and um, maybe this is also causing people that are having this in the background to relax and fall asleep. So mm -hmm. that's something that I just- Oh, interesting. Watching this episode, yeah. Yeah. Random. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, anything else to say about a recap? the underlying meaning, the message for humanity on this episode? To, to kind of sum it all up, yeah. I guess for me, this was a hard one to find the theme or the meaning or the thing to relate to. But yeah. The closest I could come, because it's, it's not my favorite episode, I gotta be yeah. honest. This idea of paranoia. Yeah. And it comes from, you know, as soon as we start, it's like Janeway said in the briefing at one point, like, you know, if we start pointing fingers, we're just gonna go crazy, it's gonna be chaos here. Yes. So for me, I guess the theme is, is about that idea of fear, of paranoia. It breeds such a toxic mixture for people, you know, that you could see on our ship people out of fear and the unknown and looking for answers. And so you just start blaming, blaming people or suspecting people. And it's very dangerous, I guess. It's, yeah. That's what I would say. Is it, it, I saw, you know, the behaviors in this episode, you saw people that you thought you knew acting very strange and all of a sudden not trusting each other. So to me, that would be the theme of like, stop pointing fingers for a minute. Just like step back and think about this a little clearer because it's there might be a, a, a reasonable explanation. That would be my takeaway. I had the same note. It was basically about the par paranoia, you know, the caveat, mm -hmm. the, the beware of paranoia taking over, you know, your mm -hmm. rational mind, you know, because yeah. when, you're, when you're not paranoid and you're just thinking logically and rationally, things don't get under, underneath your skin you don't start freaking out. But the minute you allow that to, to really, and Neelix is a perfect example of that. You know, yeah. he, he let that um, 
um, the fact that 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 one crew member ordered his drink differently, yeah. <laughs> hot instead of cold, made him flip out because he yeah. thought, okay, this guy is being controlled by the alien entity, you know, and yeah. it's true. Um, paranoia and, and, and fear of the unknown is just, is, is something that, that I think we, we all go through. And, and, mm-hmm. and really the lesson is, is to, to guard against that or beware yeah. of that, be cognizant of that. And keep your awareness. Out. Yeah, keep yeah. awareness. Step, step outside of your body for a second, like yeah. Chakotay was, right? Step outside yeah. of your body and just observe yourself for a second. Yeah. Do I sound crazy? Yes or no? You know, yes, yeah. you, you can sometimes be objective about yourself if you take a second and don't, you know, react so quickly and, and stay on that treadmill of craziness, right? Just stop mm-hmm. the treadmill. So I agree with you on that. Okay. okay. Awesome. All right. So that is our recap. Um, yes, it is. Yes. So um, thank you for everyone for listening into our podcast. Um, next week, we'll be reviewing Faces and we will have a very special guest star who will be uh, or guest host that will be here with us shall we tell them should we should we just say who it is we could yes we can yeah yeah uh brian uh, brian markinson who played durst and uh and uh the vidian i forget the name of the vidian yeah he's gonna be he's gonna recap with us which is really super cool um and i think we should make this a regular uh, part of our podcast and bringing somebody in for the entire you know podcast yeah, because yeah. I, I one thing that i talked about in that interview that we did with trek movie before we uh, uh mm-hmm. did this uh, recap was that listening to office ladies uh, which is the you know the office recap they brought in rain wilson and they called rain wilson up at home and they talked to him for like two minutes max and it was done right. and it was like yeah, yeah you just teased me with that and then you don't have him for the entire episode you know right. that that bugged me so i think that that we are doing a bit of a disservice to the fans if we literally called Brian Markinson at home for yeah. a minute and a half and hung up on him and said, okay, oh, no. thanks, yeah. I think Brian will have some good things to say. Yeah, and he's, he will. he's a he friend will. of mine and he's, uh, we became uh, good friends on a, on a show many years after Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, I produced and directed that show and, and Brian came on as a, as a recurring character. And uh, Oh, sweet. Oh, so he yeah. was on that show with you. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he did. I think he did all five seasons of that show. Wow. But were yeah. you friends with him before he did Girlfriend's no. Guide to Galaxy? Okay. No. Did he remind you that he was Durst? Is that how he it remind <laughs> he reminded me? He reminded me. I didn't I didn't even put it together. It's like, was you know, like we worked together. I was, was on Star Trek. And then he was like, <laughs> I was I was like, which one? And he goes, Faces. I was the Vidian, and that was Durst at first. And I did two episodes. He should have did charades with you where he like he like grabbed it towards his face and you know, ripped it off and then moved it to the side. He goes, does that remind you of anything? Maybe that would have been kind of funny. Yeah. But that's interesting that that he worked with you so much later in life, not even, you know, yeah. you guys weren't friends during Voyager, obviously, but you became friends later. Yeah, we became um, friends later. And um, and we started working together on the other show. And I ride motorcycles for a hobby. I love riding bikes and going out for, you know, motorcycle days. Yep. And uh, it turned out, Brian also rides, and so we ended up riding together and taking some day trips. And I love in fact, it. I think Brian's off on a motorcycle trip this this week. So uh, that's right. So um, yeah, a big trip to Montana or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah. And when he gets back, we're going to be able to. Uh, he's going to join us uh, yep. when we review this. So this is going to be wonderful. Yeah. So thanks again for everybody for listening into this episode, and for those of you who are who are our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for our bonus content. Yeah. See you next week, guys.